Well, thank you. Um, me and my husband, we are the youth pastors here together. Um, as he says, I am a his gorgeous wife. He is my handsome hunk. Um, but and I can only be the one to say that, or else I'll you know, mess with me. So, um, but I just want to first thank him and honor him because. Um, I wouldn't be able to be the woman I am and be able to fulfill my call in God unless I had a husband that encouraged me and supported me in that. And I'm very fortunate to have that because um, there's a lot of a lot of things out there where I feel like um, men, this is a little side sermon, where men need to know that like we women need encouragement. We need to be supported in our calling and our roles for what God has for us. And my husband is a 100% good example of that. So I just want to honor him for that. Um, I also want to say my mom is here today. So, yes. But thank you, Mom, for uh, giving birth to me and all the rest of the 24 years. <laughs> but um, I also lastly want to honor Pastor Jim and Kelly. Um this is a real opportunity to speak to you guys today, and I know that I wouldn't be I wouldn't be where I am today still without these guys pouring into my life. And I know that they trust me, and I, I really trust them. And so, hopefully, by the end of today, you'll trust me too. So, <laughs> but when I look around in this room, I see many different people from many different walks of life, from um, many different upbringings, different ages. Um, I see different interests, different styles, possibly different jobs. Everybody has a different life, different, you know, different hobbies, all that, all that stuff. But, you know, there might be even some common ground in here. Some people might have similar hobbies. Some people might like to go camping. Some people might even have similar jobs. But when I look around in this room, there's one thing that we all have in common. One of, one of the many things we all have in common is that we all have an age. Every single person in this room has an age, some more than others. But, okay, you can laugh. It's a joke. Come on, lighten up. Um, <laughs> but, no, seriously, everyone in this room has an age. It's a, it's a tool of measurement that we all have. Some of Everybody can relate to certain things that we have been through at certain ages. All of us can remember when we turned 16 or when we graduated high school or when we got our first job, what age we were. Age is a measurement for our lives. Even though age can be a common ground measurement for everybody in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, it's the one thing that we use to divide us. It's the one thing that we use to cause a division among people. Well, when you're this age, then you can be like me. But then when I'm this age, then you'll be a different age, and then I'm still not like you. So we use it to divide it, divide us. But it, what can unify the multi-generational church is the gospel. The gospel is the one thing that can unify the many generations. Today I'm going to be encouraging every single generation in this room which is the younger and the older, their roles of what they have in part of the church, of the gospel, what their part is and what their role is in the gospel. I'm also going to be challenging every single person in this room of the blind spots that we may have. Everybody has blind spots. So my goal with the blind spots is to walk out of here with zero friends, <laughs> basically. 
No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I will be using the terms older and younger generation in this throughout today. Um, those are just the terms that I chose. If you're not sure which generation you're part of, if you have to ask the question, you're probably in the older generation. So, First, let me start by giving you a basic definition of the gospel, because some of us may not know what the gospel is. That might be a loose term that we use in church, and some people may not even know what that means. Like, what's the gospel? I've never heard that word. Um, the gospel is the story of Christ, Jesus Christ, and it's his life and his teachings and the apostles' teachings. It's basically the foundation of what we as Christians believe in. Um, it's we can be safe to say that the Bible is the gospel, the whole thing, from Genesis to, to Revelation. That's the gospel. So when I reference the gospel, when I use that term, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what we believe in and that we present that, and that's what we unifies us all, is that what we all believe in. All right? So I want to focus on a story in Exodus chapter 17 with um, two men, Joshua and Moses. Moses was the older generation, and Joshua was the younger generation. And in this story, in chapter 17 of Exodus, we have the people of Israel, they were a nation, and they were being attacked by the Amalekites. And because of that, Joshua, or Moses, who was the leader at that time of Israel, was like, okay, we got to do something. We got we to gotta stand up against these Amalekites. So then he calls out to Joshua to basically command him to fight. So if we start with verse 9, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men, go out and fight the army of the Amalekite for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding a staff of God in my hand. And after that, Joshua what did what he said. So the next day they go to they go to battle and Moses goes up on top of the hill and stands with a rod. Now if this is if this is something that sounds weird to you, basically if you've heard the old traditional story about the Exodus of Jesus or the Israelites from Egypt, Moses used his rod to part the waters and so this is a recurring theme with Moses is his rod and the authority that it carries. And we keep reading on verse eleven. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur, he must have a sister named him. Yeah, funny, right? I got jokes, I got jokes. Okay. Found a stone for him to sit on. When they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so he, his hands could stay steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of the Amalekite in battle. So what this says to me is that there was two roles in this battle. There was the role that Moses had, and then there was the role that Joshua had. Both of them had a significant role in this battle in order for it to be a victory. In this story... We see the roles, and without roles, there's dysfunction. Just like in any other relationship we have, if there's a parent and a kid, or if there's a husband and a wife, or if there's a boss and, a, and an employee, there's roles that each one has. And if there's no roles that are clearly defined and cr clearly uh, carried out, then there's dysfunction. 
Chris Valentin says, if God's royal as if as God's royal priesthood, meaning like we are his people, we understand that it is by inheritance that God wishes to establish each generation to advance his kingdom. We must recognize what that makes us responsible for. We are all responsible for our job and our role when it comes to being a Christian and being a part of what it means to be in a church and part of the body of Christ. Let's start with the older generation. The older generation, in this particular case of the story, and I think in real life, is the rod. Moses' rod is your role, which I believe represents the what and the why of the gospel. It's your job to tell us the why, and it's your job to tell us the what. Older generation, we need you to tell us the why. Why do we have this gospel? What? Why is it... Why is it important for us to need this gospel? What is it? What is the gospel? What is it about? That's your job. We need your why and your what. The rod and life of Moses throughout scripture represents authority, power, and leadership. The covering of authority provided older leader by an older leader was essential for the young leader's success and fulfilling the task at hand. Moses knew the why and the what that needed to happen. This guy Moses knew, okay, well, we're being attacked, so what we need to do is we need to attack back. This is the first time Israel actually stands up for themselves. They actually have an army, and they go after another army to protect their people. And he also knew the why. The why was because they were God's people, and they needed to make a name for themselves. And not for themselves, but for God. And that's what the gospel is all about, is about making a name for his name and being a people that is totally submitted to him and that no one can just walk all over. That was the why and the what. Psalm seventy-one, eighteen says, Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. In this psalm, we hear David basically pleading to God, like, I want to be the older ge- what the elder generation is supposed to be. I want to be the one that is proclaiming your name to the next generations. I want to be that person that is, that is teaching and raising them up. David knew the importance of being the why and the what and what it was to raise up the next generation. Us younger people, we don't always know how to communicate. We don't always know how to um, basically live life. And we need the older generation to teach us. In Malachi 4, verses 5 through 6, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. What this is, is the verse right before the New Testament. Where in the New Testament, that's when Jesus comes. It's, it's just one more prophecy to add on to all the other prophecies of basically this guy is coming. He's going to save us and he's God and he's man and all these things. And, like, and it's the gospel. It's profi- prophesying the, the completion of the gospel. And what's important in this passage is the hearts of the fathers turn to the hearts of the children first. That's what's so key about your role is your role happens first. Our role, before we get to it, our role can't happen unless you guys go first. 
because we're, we're, we're waiting on you because if we, if, if we don't have you guys teaching us the why and what, our rule is completely useless. And so we need your heart to towards to us first. I think sometimes we, we rely on like, well, the younger generation has to do this. The younger generation has to do this, this, this. And it's all initiative stuff. But according to this, it's the older generation that has to take the initiative. It's the older generation who turns first. The younger generation is the sword, is Joshua's sword. I like to say that this is the how of the gospel. So the older generation is the what and the why. I like to think that the younger generation is the how, the how of the gospel. How do we do it? Moses let Joshua be the how. He let him be the how, which is so important because he did not, he, he told Joshua, okay, this is why we're doing it, and this is what we're doing. You're going to go fight. But he didn't tell Joshua, okay, now when you attack the Amalekite, you got to make sure you do like your super ninja slash, and you make sure you get your sword and like stick it in his heart, and this is how you're going to fight, and like you're going to karate kick him, and like this is how you're going to do it. Oh, and don't forget, this is what you're going to wear, because you make sure you wear this. I mean, Saul tried that. Saul tried to tell David what to wear, and that didn't work out too good, did it? He went basically in his regular day clothes, you know? So jo- Moses did not tell Joshua how to be the how. Does that make sense? He let Joshua be the how. And that's so important for us younger people to know that when the older generation empowers us, it's not a, it's not a thing to be like, oh, let's go take the world and let's, let's conquer the world and, and we can do this on our own. It's not about that. It's about the fact that the older generation has empowered us to be the how. I think about Mordecai and Esther in the Bible, basically when um, Israel was, this is past Joshua and Esther, or sorry, this is past Joshua and Moses. Now, a few years later, Israel is actually captured by some wicked kings and some wicked um, people. And during this time, they, um, Esther is actually promoted to be a queen. Um, she actually marries one of the wicked kings. Um, so she is in this really unique spot as a Israelite who has all this influence. Well, what happens is this man named Haman, he wants to go against the Jews. He doesn't, Jews are also the Israelites. He hates the Israelites. He hates them. And he wants to wipe them all out. Mordecai is Esther's spiritual father. Mordecai finds out about this plot and he goes and tells Esther the why and the what. He goes and tells her, this is what's going to happen, and we need to preserve our, our nation and our people because we are God's people. That's the why. And Esther is then empowered by her spiritual father to be the how. The cool thing is, is Esther knew exactly how she had to do it. She, she told Mordecai, okay, you got to go fast and pray. She basically told Mordecai the how. Like, this is how we got to do it. We need to do it with fasting and prayer. And the second thing is, is she like meets with her king like two or three times for dinner. And we may think that's overkill, but who knows? Esther knows the how. She knew how she had to sway over the king and how she had to woo him and basically convince him of this plot. Esther was the how. Well, yet Mordecai was still the why and the what. Do not think that just because we are the how, younger people, that means we don't honor 
the goal in everyone's goal the goal in everyone's role is to grow the church is to grow the people of of who we are and 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 to reach out people people who want to be inspired and want to be loved and want to be a part of what we're doing that's the goal that's the end of the day goal and your goal is not your your role is no more important than the older generation's role. And and that's the key too. Don't make your role about you. <laughs> like it has nothing to do with you. It's all about God and the gospel. And I think that sometimes um, the younger generation, we do have a take on the world mentality, which there are good things about that. But when it comes to our role, we have to be able to be submissive in our role and to be honoring in our role. But because once we're doing that, it gives us the liberty to be the how. This brings us to my uh, blind spots, which are always so much fun, right? Because we always want to talk about the things we're not good at and the things that we're struggling with. And it's like a touchy subject. But, you know, I struggle with these things too, so I'm in it with everybody. But the first blind spot for the younger people is the value of spiritual covering. We don't understand or we don't value it. We don't value spiritual covering. So let me break it down what spiritual covering is because that might be a weird term that some of you may not heard of. Covering is like what I would describe as if you're in a job and your boss asks you to do something, okay, and then you go and do it and then the person like on a pull or a customer gets upset with you and they start yelling at you. The role of the boss is to come and cover the situation, take care of the situation because they're in charge and they're going to protect you because they're, they're the ones that are first told you what to do. And the second thing is that they've got your back. That's what covering is. Now to put spiritual on it, spiritual covering means in the sense of like our church, what, what happens when we want to experience more of God or what happens when we want to try something new and and it, maybe it doesn't work out but that's okay because we have a spiritual covering and we have guidance and they're going to love us through it that's what spiritual covering is and I don't think that we 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 value that as younger people as much as we should I know for a fact we don't the younger generation needs to understand spiritual authority it's imperative to be connected to the spiritual fathers and mothers if we're going to be victorious. This is key, especially in this story with Joshua and Moses. Joshua would have not been victorious if it wasn't for Moses. It wouldn't have happened. I'm just telling you right now. You may think it might have, but it wouldn't have. And that's because there was a spiritual backing and there's a spiritual force behind it. And I think that we, we really don't see the power behind that. We don't see it because we just think that we're empowered and we're young. Culture tells us that we're like, oh, go for what you want, which is so true. Like, dream big. Go for what you want. But at the same time, you need that spiritual backing. You need that spiritual covering in order to enforce it. Because who knows? How many people in here knows if you have a dream? Oh, I want to be a doctor. Well, how are you going to do that? I don't know. It's just going to happen. Well, if you don't go to school, you're not going to become a doctor. Sorry. It's not going to happen. Like, you need the backing. You need the, you need the guidance and you need to be poured into. We may be exceptional with the sword, but if we're not connected to the rod, there will be no triumph. That means if you are the best and most creative person I know, you may be rich. I don't even care. If you're not connected to an older generation that's pouring into your life, you ain't going to go nowhere. You aren't. In Psalms 23, it talks about the rod and the staff will comfort me. It's a familiar psalm. 
I like to think of it, you know, I think sometimes our generation, we get a little bit anxious when we talk about spiritual authority or things like that because we're like, oh, no, I'm going to be controlled. I'm going to be put in a box. I don't think it's about that. I think when it talks about the rod and staff will comfort me, it's meant to be a comfort and a safety place. It's not meant to be control. And and that's where we find our peace and our and our happiness. Like, it's meant to enforce us and empower us. It's not meant to hold us back. It's meant to point the way. I just thought of, like, you know, the rod is meant for direction and pointing the way. It's not meant to hold people back. It's meant to point the way of where we're going. The second blind spot is we don't value the what and the why. This is probably one of our biggest blind spots as young people. Elisha and Elijah, they're in the Bible. They're two guys. Elijah was the the older generation. Elisha was the younger generation. I don't know why they chose to have similar names and make everybody confused. But if I say their names and you're like, wait, which one she's talking about? Just go with it because it is confusing. But um, Elisha, the younger guy, recognized that Elijah had like all this authority and like all this power and he knew that he wanted it. He knew that he had to get it. And he knew that he wanted to be poured in by this this big strong guy of God. Like basically he was a powerful man. He he did so many things for God and he wanted to get to get some of that. And the only way we're gonna be empowered and get inheritance is if we realize how much the older generation has to offer. That's the only way. Like, if you don't realize it, if you don't understand it, that if you don't understand, like, okay, this person has a lot for me to offer, then your heart won't ever be open to it. And that's a huge blind spot. And you have to ask ourselves, are we even open to the idea that this person has something to give us? Because they do. Whether you think they do or not, they do. Any older person has something to give us. When there's something serious that I need to have guidance on, for myself and my own life, if I'm going through something or I need to talk through something out, I, I'm telling you, 95% of the time, I go to an older person. I just, I was brought up and I was cultivated in that kind of culture. Um, my parents, you know, they raised me to always seek guidance. I kind of grew up with a little bit of an old soul because um, I was a pastor's kid and I grew up around a lot of adults, um, just you know, there's people at my house. I remember when we were kids, my mom would be like, oh, we have these people coming over for dinner, clean up. And I'm like, do they have kids? No, always. Do they have kids? No. Okay. Well, I got to put up my grown-up face, which was so good, honestly, because I think that created in me a love to be around older people, to help guide me and to, to pour into my life. Um, I, you know, I go to Joan Russell and, my, and to my pastors and even my own parents all the time to seek advice and counsel about things that I'm going through because, honestly, they know it best. I think in our culture and our young people, we, too many times, we, we go and vent on Facebook or we go and vent to people our age. I'm not saying it's bad to share with people your age because I have close friends that I share things with. I, but I'm telling you, you're going to get the most wisdom and wise counsel from an older person. And let's be real. When you're venting on Facebook or sometimes when we vent with friends, it's really gossip. We're really just gossiping. Well, let me tell you this thing that I'm having trouble with, with this person. And like, so they did this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, okay, you don't really care. You're not really struggling. You just want to tell me the latest gossip news. No, 
let's go to our older generation because they're the ones that are going to set us straight anyways. They're the ones that are going to keep us from gossiping. I don't want to be known as a gossiper, so I'm going to go to the older generation. And they're going to be like, well, I don't really think that you should be thinking that way. You know, they're going to guide us. And it's not, once again, it's not a control thing. It's a guidance. Ruth 1.16. This is a story about um, two women, Naomi and Ruth. Naomi was the older generation and Ruth was the younger And this is what Ruth said to her spiritual mother. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's such a powerful statement. I love that verse so much. Maybe I'll get a tattoo somewhere of it. I don't know. But... (laughs) I I really do love that verse because it just signifies the unity of a multi-generation. It really does. And Ruth Ruth knew and understood the value of what Naomi had to give her. She understood it. This is a pride issue that we all have. When the younger generation wants to do their own thing and resist submitting to the older generation, we are essentially saying, we think that we can do it better than you. And the truth is we can't because if we did it without them, there would be no, in the long run, there's not going to be success or victory. All right, I think I've beat up on the uh, younger generation enough. What do you think, older generation? I'm going to move now to the, the blind spots of the older generation. The first one is understanding and relating. The older generation has a hard time understanding why anyone would listen to that genre of music, decorate their bodies with tattoos or piercings, or appreciate the variety of things that young people embrace. Let me just give you a little hint right now. If you attack our tattoos and our piercings, you're attacking who I am. Just give you a little insight because that's the way I express my personality. That's the way I express who I am. That's how we as young people in this generation, in this culture, that's how we say, this is who I am. This, I'm showing you my personality. Just look at me, the way I dress. This is how I am. This is who I am. You can, you can tell a lot about who I am by the way you look at me. That's what, that's, it's, just, it's just the way we express ourselves. So whenever the older generation wants to point out all oh, those tattoos or throw scriptures at us about how they're sinful or whatever, you're basically saying, I have no hope because... I have a tattoo now, and I guess God sees me as sinful every time I see my tattoo, you know? And that's not the case. As a family, we usually want to grow, right? When we have uh, grandparents, parents, and grandkids, you know, we, we want to have our family grow. I don't think I ever met a grandparent who's not a grandparent yet and wants to not have grandkids. You know what I mean? So, I mean, my mom, she's like counting down the days that I have a kid. I'm like, okay, mom, it's coming someday, I promise. But, you know, like, I, I think we all want to have our families grow. We all want them to be successful and raise them up and, you know, be, be a good student, be a good friend. We all want that. So what do we do? You know, we want to relate with our kids and our grandkids. We want to relate with them, you know. So what would happen if a grandparent had their, their um, you know, two little grandkids over, the one's 10 and one's 15, and they're like, okay, for the next three hours we're going to watch reruns of The Price is Right. It's going to be great, you know. Like, what if we did that? Like, the grandkids would not want to hang out with the grandparents at all. 
They wouldn't. They, they would just be like, okay, it's so boring over there, Mom. I don't want to go over there, please. And as soon as they're old enough to decide on their own, they're not going to come. Because it's, it's, it's not what they want to do. And that's not what they, they want to be their own person. And I think you want them to be their own person. And I'm not saying anything against The Price is Right, by the way. It's a good show. So, um, But, you know, what your job is to do is to raise them up and to to be good people and to, to have good morals. And if you're a Christian, you know, you want them to, to know the, the, the word and the gospel and you want them to be able to influence others in a positive way. But the way you do that is by relating with them and understanding where they're at and meet them. You know, like that, that verse said, the heart of the fathers turns toward their children first. You got to meet them where they're at. So if they want to play their music in church, if they want to wear the clothes they want to wear, for, and we're talking about style, not modesty here, but we're, if they want to do that, that's okay. It's okay if they want to do it. Let them. Let the, let the church change and let the church grow because the real issue is that you're part of the bigger picture. And you're passing on an inheritance to the gospel because you want to be a part of the kingdom of God growing. You want to be a part of what's happening. The moment we work to maintain rather than increase what we have been given is the moment we begin to lose what is given to us. This brings us to our second blind spot is that the older generation doesn't value the how. We're the how, and sometimes the older generation doesn't doesn't appreciate it or value it. Let me read that quote again. The moment we work to maintain rather than increase what we have been given is the moment we begin to lose what was given to us. The gospel is about using the gifts and the talents that has been given to us. We don't sit on them. The younger generation has a lot to offer the church and the body of Christ. We have a lot of talents and gifts. It wouldn't make sense if someone was a great piano player or someone was an amazing technician. What if, what if we had somebody come into this church today who was an amazing, like, light laser person and they like they did concerts for years where they 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 did laser work and light work and it was they're really really talented at that and they get saved and it's like well sorry you're too advanced for us you're gonna have to wait a few years until you're older what would that what would that do that would that would not help us grow or help them grow that's not how it works it's a backwards way of thinking it's also a pride issue when the older generation shuts down the younger generation they're essentially saying we don't need you. We don't trust you. Come back when you're older. That doesn't make any sense to me. It feels like we're just being stuck. We need both generations to operate in his or her roles. Each generation, we absolutely need each other in order to produce a healthy local church and to see Jesus Christ's mission move forward. His mission is the gospel. The gospel needs to move forward. We need to, to be progressive. It was always meant to be progressive. It was always like, go, go, preach, preach, you know, raise up disciples. It was always progressive. It never stayed. Jesus never stayed in one place. He probably had a hard time tracking him. Like they always said, like, oh, the people gathered where Jesus was. I'm like, how do they keep up with where he was? He was always moving around, you know. He was, so, he was always progressive. He never stayed in one thought. The gospel does not have a gender, a generation, or a social class. 
this is important because um, I heard this one guy say, his, his name is Chris Ballatin. He said, the revival is not going to come through the younger generation. So many times we hear that the younger generation is going to bring the revival, the younger generation. It's not going to happen through the younger generation. It's going to happen through one generation. And we're the one generation, both the young and the old, working in their roles. That deserves a clap. That's a good one, right? Adam McCain, he's a youth pastor down in Texas. He says we will see four things when the church is unified through the gospel. The first is confidence. We will see people being confident in each other. We'll see, we'll, it'll be so amazing to see a church who's unified in the gospel. The, younger genera- the older generation is like super on fire about how many young people are coming to their church. And they're like, we're doing this, we're doing the work. They'll be so excited, you know? And that, that's the confidence. And we'll also have confidence in themselves. We'll see the older generation being like, yeah, you know, I really get to spend time with like four, four, boys, uh, four boys a week, and we have breakfast with each other, and I'm just able to learn where they're at and the types of cultures. I'm, I'm staying connected, you know? I'm not staying, I'm not staying in, my, in my ways, in my culture, but I'm, I'm staying connected with what's happening now. You know, that, that's the confidence we will see. In 2 Timothy 4, we see Paul, who is a spiritual father to Timothy, encouraging him as he's in church and empowering him to keep preaching the gospel. We see him just saying, go for it. You know, he's, he's just having confidence in him and, and instilling confidence in Timothy. The second thing we'll see is synergy. Synergy is two things that are functioning together to, co- that, to create a cause or an outcome that one of them could not do by itself. So we see that in, you know, the story with Moses and Joshua. We see that they could not have won the battle without the two of them being a part of it together. That's what synergy is. And we'll see that in the church. We'll see, you know, we're able to go and feed every, you know, we're able to feed like every block in Syracuse. We're able to like feed, feed the city, you know, feed them all because we are all working together, older and younger. We'll see that. Third is the direction. Us young people, we're still figuring out our lives. We, we don't know what we're doing. I'm, I'm learning how to pay bills. You know, eventually I'll be a parent and I won't know what I'm doing. You know, the older generation, you guys have been there. We need your direction and your guidance. And we'll see that in the, in, in the church that's unified in the gospel. We'll see direction happening. And lastly is sustainability. In Psalms 135.13, it says that his name will be known in all the generations. That's sustainable. That means, like, people who aren't even born yet, we're going to know his name because we're unified in the gospel, and we're going to be going after the gospel growing. So what I want everybody to leave here today is recognizing what blind spots we need to address. Every person here will leave with a blind spot that they have to work on or they have to fix I'm sure some of you walk away. I walk away convicted from my own message because there's times when I'm, I, I don't honor the older generation enough, and I'm sorry for that. I need to work on that. And, you know, we all have our blind spots. And we need to be secured in our roles. Younger generation, it's important for you to get connected by the older. 
when they tell you the what and the why and explain it to you, submit an honor to it. And let me tell you right now, there's a laziness in our generation. There's a laziness where we think we can get everything on social media and get our answers. Well, I say to you, get off your butt and go out for coffee with the older generation because I'm telling you right now, you're going to get more sustainable advice through that than anything the internet's going to give you. The older generation, it's okay if the music's different. It's okay if things start to change. Know that the church is growing and that you play a huge part in making disciples and growing us and maturing us. The church is marked by the unity of the gospel. And I just want to pray for you guys today. And I just want to pray a blessing over all the generations. And I want to pray a blessing over this, this church and um, what our heart and what our goal is for. So you bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray right now over every generation, the young and the old, that you would just uh, encourage us to step into our roles and to, to conquer what is ahead of us, to be able to unite in the gospel and to be able to join hands and, and take after what your purpose and what your cause for the church is, Lord. And help us, us younger people, Lord, honor and submit to the older generation, and help the older generation to be more accepting of who we are. Lord, I pray that we are your royal priesthood and that we're here to serve you and to be a part of what you want to do, God. And I just ask this all in your name. Amen.